1: Hi. Hi. Can you hear me okay? I can. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you okay. Awesome. Good to see you. Oh, I was looking for my shaggy. I wanted to see. Oh, the... you want to see it? Yeah. Oh my god. It's the best thing ever.
2: Yeah, if I if I <laughs> just if I just had just a chin beard right now, this is total shaggy from Scooby Doo. You
1: know what? It looks good though. You know, I've been telling every guy that I've seen pretty much. I want you guys to like just consider. Letting some of this long hair live a little bit because I've seen some amazing froze. I just saw some great shaggy hair. Like I'm all for it. I'm like, live your life.
2: I've I've never had long hair in my life. I've always just had short. I've just always had short hair because it, yeah. it just hangs in my face. And so I'm always yeah. like, you know, doing this. So I,
1: it cause even good. Lydia's like, you should just leave it long. Like, really? I, I know. Like, no, girls like it. Like, I mean, maybe not forever, and maybe not when you get back and do all your professional stuff. But it's a good look.
2: Um. So I'm I'm so glad that we were able to talk. I I don't know. I you know I didn't post a podcast last week, mm-hmm. and this week, uh, you know, I have episodes that I've recorded that are supposed to go up, and mm-hmm. I. Just I just did not, I did not feel right about just posting a podcast. I yeah. just didn't like a regular podcast, like, Hey, everything, you know, uh, n- nothing happened. Let's all just, uh, you yeah, know, let's just chat. Yeah. yeah. And so to just talk about, you know, um, I don't know, just talk about movies or whatever, you know, television shows, it just felt like it just doesn't feel right to me. I just, I I yeah. want to be able to have a conversation about everything. I think we should be having conversations about everything. And so, I just, I called you and I said, hey, would you like to come on the podcast? And there isn't really a plan. Um,
1: we never have a plan though, do we?
2: To, my intention is to mostly listen and, um, and but just first start off with just saying like, how you doing? How are you?
1: I am, I am, <clears throat> you know, I'm so hardwired to just go, I'm good. I mean, I'm not good.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm okay. And, um, you know, I'm I'm concerned and worried and scared and um, frustrated. I'm all of those things, Um, but I'm also okay. And I think that we're all going to be okay. I think that it's going to be pretty shitty for a minute. (laughs) I think that there's going to be a few more battles that need to be fought and a few more people that need to kind of get it, you know? Um, And I think some of those people are in uh, decision-making positions in this country, and they're higher ups. And um, I, I hope, on the other side of this, people just realize that money doesn't matter, fame doesn't matter, power doesn't matter. If you're not healthy, and kind, and able to live a decent life and build a, a life for yourself and your family, and that is like the basic things that this country was built on. And it'd be nice if we, as a nation, lived up to it. I don't think anyone that's in the streets. Is asking for more than anybody else. We're all just saying, can we just get what everybody else got? Can we just be equal? Yeah. I think equal's awesome. I think equal is amazing. I think that equal is a nice playing field for everyone to participate on. It's it's not it's not wrong to want to have the same opportunities that everybody else has. And I think that we're at a place now where we're like, can my kids grow up too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Can I drive a nice car in a, a, a certain area and not get pulled over and or killed? Um, is it okay if I make the same money for the same job, regardless of my genitalia or my melanin quotient? Is that okay? Can we just have that? Like that would just be awesome and um and fair. I like fair. Fair is fun.
2: I also I think like a lot of people sort of. I mean I I, I did understand I have heard and understood before like well you know if you're white and you're in this country there's a certain amount of privilege that you have Mm -hmm. because there's a certain stratum that you just don't see Mm -hmm. and that's part of it that's part of the privilege you know and um and I just feel like you know I just I feel like I'm so much more aware now than I was before and the uh all the people speaking up and all the people who are sharing all these amazing stories, you know, it because it, we had talked about when when uh, the Rodney King case happened in 92. Mm-hmm. I was at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Were,
1: were you in Los Angeles? No, I was still I was still in college when that happened. I was. I, back was, in, two, uh, yeah, yeah. I was back in. Um, did we just tell our age? Um, (laughs) Um, I was, I was in, when we were were in in high school, school. I was in junior high. Weren't you in junior high, Chris? (laughs) Weren't we both in junior high? Um, yeah, I was, I was still in Ohio back then.
2: And there was no social media. And so Mm -hmm. when, um, when it was, when the riots were over, it just feel, it felt like, oh, did everything just quickly go back without Mm -hmm. any changes happening? And now I sort of feel like, you know, Thank God there's social media to keep these conversations going, right. keep it alive, to, to give people a chance to to speak out and be heard. Do you do you agree with that?
1: I mean, I do to a certain extent. I, I my frustration, and I think the frustration of every black person or marginalized person in America has been, why do you need to see us dying in the streets to believe us when we say that it's not been fair? Right. Like that's that's been, you know the bigger issue for me, it's like, we literally have to bleed in the streets for you to really go, oh, well, wow. Not you, but I mean, you know, the, the greater you. The culture, so, right? Yeah, the culture to be like, well, this does look like it might be a problem for Black people. Like, it's like, we've been telling you it's been a problem. For you know, so no long. one, no one listened. And I don't, I don't know why um, anyone would think that we would lie about something so horrible. And why would all of us have the same stories? people that don't know each other they're not in the same states they're not in the same cities they're not the same in the same economic um situation and everybody has the same story about how they feel when a cop pulls up behind them or how they feel in a workplace or how they feel you know just shopping or walking down the street and i i am the first one to say that i don't think that a lot of the microaggressions and stuff that i've experienced are sinister i don't think that there are Large groups of white people waking up every morning going, How can I make life difficult for black people? I do not think that that's the case. I believe that because a large group of, of white people in America have never had to think about what it's like to be anything other than white, they just don't understand how different it is. And that's, you know, I've been using this analogy, and, I, and forgive me if someone's listening and they've heard it before, but it, I, I use this one because I think this is the best way to explain it. I am five foot two. And a half. That half is very important, but I'm five foot two and a half. I have never been tall. I have never had to worry about being tall. I don't know what it's like to be tall. And beyond that, I've never thought about what it's like to be tall because I've never had to. So I, I, our friend, our mutual friend, Brandon Monk is, you know, like seven foot 57. And so whenever I'm with Brandon and we're walking somewhere and if it's in a cottage or it's some small little something, I always watch Brandon looking up. He's always aware of where the door frame is. He's always aware of can I get into this room without ducking. You know, I think about when I'm on a plane. Every time I get on a plane, Chris, I can stand right up. As soon as they soon as that ding ding goes off, there's no place on a plane I can't stand fully up. Even with my bun at at, at full mass, I can get right up there. There are tall people that can't do that. Now, what if I had a conversation as a Lilliputian with a tall person. And they said to me, you know, it really sucks being tall. You know, it's, you know I got these doggone doors. They don't make doors tall enough for me. And people are always making fun. of What's the weather like up there? And I've, I've lost out on some jobs. I wanted to be a jockey. I can't be a jockey because I'm tall. What if they listed like 50,000 things that, was, that sucked about being tall? And I said, oh, come on. Can't be that bad. Right. I think you're probably, you're lying oh my God, you're making so much, such a big deal out of this. I don't have a problem getting on airplanes. I don't have a problem being a jockey. Why are you saying it's a problem for you? So just imagine what it would feel like if you were navigating the world as a tall person and then someone, some little peewee, decided that your experience in this world, one that they know nothing about, was invalid. Or invalidated Mm -hmm. now imagine also if that small person that tiny person was the one that decided what rights you had as a tall person so someone that does not believe you're struggling gets to choose what size the doors are they get to choose what the what the the regular standard issue plane seats are so people that don't know your experience that have negated your experience are now getting to make all the laws and rules that affect you in a very rough way right That's what racism is like. So all of the tall people, the black people are waving, going, Hey guys, this is not fair. This kind of sucks. This is not good. And all the, the tiny people are going, Hey, shut up tall person. You don't know. It's just the best way I can think of to explain what it, what it feels like, um, to be going through some things and, and someone who doesn't understand it decides that it's not true.
2: And this is the systemic racism. This that's is the, the
1: systemic racism. This is the
2: systemic racism that's just sort of, that's baked into the infrastructure that a lot of people can be blind to because they're just a part of the, the way the system works.
1: Yeah. And also you got to remember, Black history is not taught in schools right. because to teach Black history or Native American history at the level it would need to be taught, it would hurt some feelings. And white people would have to really face what their ancestors did to large groups of people in this country. And there's books about white fragility. People talk about white fragility because, and and I hope this is not offensive, but I have to say it, because for the most part, white people have been coddled in this country. They have been protected in this country. They have been uh, um, preferred in this country there's a lot of things that they don't know about what life is really like for other people. Mm -hmm. And because they don't know and they've never been told they don't, it's like waking a sleepwalker. It's like, they're shocked. Like, what do you, what do you mean? I have advantages. Nobody else has. I've worked hard. You may have worked hard, but you've worked hard on a playing field that's been tilted to your advantage. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's like trying to help them understand that I'm not coming for you. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying that you're evil. I'm saying that you have benefited from a structure that was built for you. I'll use this example. Uh, Real estate and home ownership is one of the best ways to create generational wealth in this country. They made sure after slavery that black people could not own property. They made it almost impossible for us to own property. So for generations, for 400 years, 300 years, we have not been able to pass anything on to our children. So when when, when a, a rich person has all this property and kind of farms it out to their kids, their kids then get to farm it out to their kids, to their kids, to their kids. So you have great, 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 great grandchildren of some rich person from forever ago that has property. Now, that doesn't mean that they are um, bad because they got a property, but it just means that they have a, they have a step up that a black kid who is just as worthy didn't get from their parents. There's, there's, there's black kids that don't have any, any uh, there's no dowry or there's no, there's nothing that's passed down to us. Every generation has to start from scratch building something. So we're always behind, even if we're brilliant. You're talking to someone, I grew up in East Cleveland, a poor kid, single family home. Single parent home. I've built a great life for myself. But when I tell you I had to claw my way to everything that I've gotten. So it's like this idea that, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We don't, most of us don't have bootstraps. And that doesn't mean that every black person in America is poor. That is not the case. It doesn't mean that every black person in America doesn't have a rich relative. Many do. I'm saying if you talk about statistically how many do, it's not the same as the generational wealth that's been able to be passed down to white people. So it's just, you already have a better starting point than we do, you know? And so we have to always fight, fight, fight. And then on top of fighting to get ahead, we also have people trying to kill us. And we have stereotypes that we're not as intelligent, that we're not, that we're lazy. Like, it's like, we really built this country. This country was built on our backs and we're lazy. Right. Ancestors brought an entire race of people over to do the work they didn't want to do. And we're lazy. Right. You know and it's like, come on guys. It's like, let's at least call it what it is. Again, it's not, we get nowhere if we, we accept these truths and then start turning on each other. I need every white person on this planet on, on this, in this nation to walk with us, to, to realize it, accept it, know that it doesn't make you a bad person, but you have to understand way, way back in your family line. Somebody did something that caused this whole thing to continue.
2: And and also the thing, and again, I'm going to ask questions. Of course. And I apologize if I'm, I, if, if I, it's not my intention to be clumsy or if I say something, if I ask a dumb question. No, or there's
1: no dumb question. Cause you don't know. That's the other thing that I hope that w- we as black people start to extend a little grace because there are things that, even white, there are things that even white allies don't know. Now, yes, there are lots of books. There's a Google machine. There's a lot of ways for people to get the information that they need. But if someone is literally just waking up to a new concept, one that they didn't know existed or that their family denied or that their history books denied, we're now at a place where they're finally going, well, wait a minute. So this is systemic. This is something that affects every single black person walking in this nation. This is something that extends back, back, back in our family lines. Let me unpack this. If someone's trying to unpack it and really trying to learn, how about you give them a little space to learn? You know what I mean? And that means there's going to be questions. Should we do the work for you? No, you guys have to do your own work. But a question is totally okay. That's, why would you not ask, if I know it and you want to know it, why would you not ask someone that knows it?
2: No, I I totally, I totally, I hear what you're saying, but I also, I also do understand why, there would be people who just wouldn't have patience anymore. It's like, yeah, I've been I've been showing grace and patience for a long time. And, <laughs> long time. You know, we're but, tired, Chris. We are, and, so and tired. especially especially for you because we've had so many conversations. In the, I mean, I've, you know, we've known each other a long time now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's surprising how long. You know, it was I think almost ten years ago yes, the at first least. Time, it's ten or
1: eleven, know. yeah, for sure.
2: And so, um, and and you have always fought for good things in this world. And I, Mm -hmm. and I've seen, I've seen what it does to you. I've seen, I've seen that it, you know, uh, that it tears you up inside to have to, you fight the fight every day. I always Mm -hmm. talk about you fighting the good fight every day. And we've had conversations where, and and I know even you who are one of the most amazing human beings I've ever known in my life, people still come at you in a horrible way on social media. And I've said to you before Yvette, why do you do that to yourself? You can't, you know, what are you going to do? And I feel like an idiot now because I shouldn't, I should not have been saying those things to you. I feel like I should have been saying before, what can I do to help you? You know, as opposed Mm. to, God, you know, like uh, some, some of these people are just a lost cause, you know, there's just assholes out there and they're just a lost cause. Don't sacrifice your happiness, you know, for that. And I don't know. I, I, it, it, The the fact that you're able to maintain grace, and that you're able to maintain faith in Mm -hmm. situations where it feels like there's no room for that, Um, how are you able to? How are you able to maintain?
1: Well, you know, first of all, it's always important for me to fight the good fight for everyone. So I'm not just a crusader for black people, but I'm a fierce crusader for black people. But I really do want everybody to be okay, and I think on the other side of the, the the reason that it's important for me to fight every good fight is um, I've been given a platform and I'm supposed to use it and I'm supposed to use it for good. And so I, I promise you, anybody that is hearing my voice, I am trying every single day to use my platform for good. I am never trying to destroy anybody. I'm never trying to tear anybody down. I do call a spade a spade and I do not suffer fools gladly. Now those two things are also true, but I still even in having to get someone told I try to do it in, a, in as respectful of a way as I can. The only time I've ever been out of pocket is if it's an overtly racist person coming at me or overtly hateful and rude person coming at me. Um, then I give back what I get, still respectfully, but I give it back. Um, I think, and I've never faulted you, Chris, for for suggesting that I stand down. Because I know that you were suggesting that I stand down because you did not yet know how important the fight was and just you said it you just said it i will not i would not tell you to not fight now instead i would say what can i do to help so that's telling me that the veil has been lifted and you get it now and that's all any of us want is we want allies and accomplices to link up with us to use their privilege for our advantage Mm -hmm. because there are there are there are rooms you will be able to walk in chris that i will never be able to walk in you're a white man in America a famous white man in America. So there are doors that will automatically open for you that won't open for me. And that's fine. It's it's there's no uh anger about that. I'm not it's it frustrates me because I feel like again there should be an even playing field. But it's really okay if, if as long as when you get in that room, you use the privilege that you have to make sure everybody's okay. So I if mean, you walk invite in room, other people in. Exactly that too and hold it open for other people to get in. So if you get in a room and there's some racial racial jokes going on or some sexist jokes or whatever. If there's somebody who thinks it's okay to tear people that are not in that room down, then our allies and accomplices will go, Hey man, that's a racist joke. You just said, or, Hey, that was a little sexist. Uh, women deserve respect, whatever it is. And you use the respect that you get just by walking in the room by the face you have to benefit other people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I try to do. Um, uh, recently there was some mess that came up about behavior on sets and there's been some people that have been horrible on sets for years and within that conversation a comment was made about how disposable background actors are how they they don't matter and when i tell you i couldn't get into that conversation fast enough i was like let me tell you what you're not going to do you're not going to act as if someone that is is performing background work is no is not as important as whoever is number one on the call sheet. Right. This idea that certain people are disposable is what this country was founded on. And what's happening in the entertainment industry is a microcosm of that. And so we need to root it out wherever we are. If I'm at Ralph's and somebody is coming for somebody in the grocery line, I'm standing up for them. There is nobody on this planet that is disposable. Every single person on this planet deserves a good life, a good wage, love, all that good stuff. And so any privilege that I have, because I'm on television, you know, I I use that to benefit other people. That's all we're all supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. And you know also that I'm a person of faith. So everything that I believe in and how I walk through life is I'm trying to do it the way Christ did it. And Christ was gangster. People think that he was all like, here, I love that. Yeah, he wants us to love each other. But also when he saw some foolishness, he would flip a table. He would call a spade a spade. So I'm trying to live that life. And the biggest part of who Christ was, it was love. He loved people and he wanted us to love people. He didn't say love the ones that look like you. He didn't say love the ones that have the same amount of money that you do. Or using my analogy, love the ones that are as tall or as short as you. He said, love everybody. So this whole movement for me is about us finding a way to love. Let's get back to love. And for those that never, never knew it, let me introduce you to love. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But let's, let's figure that out. Let's get to the love space because that's the, that's our only way through this. The only way through this is together. That's it. That's it.
2: But you also, you also said some really great things that I think are worth noting, which is, you know there's the sort of there's the macro change that needs to happen the sort mm-hmm. of the, the the structural changes and the systemic changes and the policy changes that need to happen but also i do think sometimes people forget that but it goes all the way down to the individual level too like you mm-hmm. were saying to to stand up for people when you have the opportunity to and yep. to call things out when you have the opportunity to and when it when you're in a position where you where you can it's yeah. it it is it is all of those things together working in unison to hopefully help, hopefully help change. I mean, when we look back at 2020, what do you think we're gonna, I mean, do you think we'll look at it as, you know, in retrospectively like it was a time of great change or do Mm -hmm. you think people will go, it was a turbulent time. It was an amazing, like, what do you, how, how do you think we'll look back at 2020?
1: I mean, I think that, 2020 has been filled with so many seismic changes in every area that I think it's going to be the year that we remember that we finally became the America we were supposed to be, or we at least started making moves to move us towards, you know, the the America that we're supposed to be for so. everyone. You know, that to me would make everything we've gone through as a nation worth it. I mean, as, as much as needless death can be worth it or needless health crisis and pandemics can be worth it. If on the other side of it, we realized what we had done wrong, how we can be better and how we can better take care of each other, then it will be like all the suffering wasn't for nothing. Mm -hmm. If this, if all this happens, we're, we're stuck in our houses. We are, people are suffering. People don't have money. There's racial unrest. We've got a knucklehead in the White House. There's so much stuff that's happening this year. If all of that happened and we just went back to taking pictures of our lip gloss and, you know, promoting TV show, it would be such a waste, a profound waste of a revelation. We are in a time of revelation and reset and realignment. And we are supposed to use this time to reassess everything we think we knew about what life was about. I say all the time, I feel like God is always say, saying to me, you know, it's not about what you think it is, Yvette. It's, you, you got an idea about what you think this existence is about. And it's not about that. And as a nation, we've, we're taught, you know, chase money, you know, chase fame, notoriety, power. Rah. Where is the care for your fellow man in that? I have I was born, I was put on this earth believing that I am my, my brother and sister's keeper. I have never been an island. I have always been someone that is always and you know, right hand of God, if I walk into a room, I'm trying to figure out how I can make that room better while I'm there. Not for personal gain, not for an ego boost, but because people are suffering and if there's something in me that can lighten the load, I'm going to lighten the load. I don't understand the idea of having the the ability. To make things better and choose to destroy the tear down mentality, the bring low mentality, the talk, talk down mentality. I don't get it. I don't get it. We are supposed to uplift and make better. That is what we're supposed to do. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever platform you have, you're supposed to use it for the greater good of everybody. Everybody. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo
0: code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. And hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com/slash Instant Eraser Foundation.
2: I love, I love that as an idea, as like to as as like a guiding principle, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, work and pursue things or whatever. But it just comes from a different place. And as someone who has, you know, been in that. I got to work eight days a week or I don't exist mentality. And what the virus and quarantine has taught me and what the events of the past couple weeks Mm -hmm. have taught me is, yeah, there are things that are so much more important than me and how much I work. Like those aren't important life. Like my career stuff is not important life things. I care so much less about, a lot of the things that I used to value yeah. that I it's I have no, and, and, and the, the future is just sort of like a question mark. Like, well, I don't, I don't even know what I, fe- you know, like yeah. those things that I used to think so many of those things that I used to think were so important. I don't really, there's a lot of that stuff. I don't think is that important anymore. You do know? you see
1: how much I'm smiling? Like I do they see can't <laughs> see, they can't see cause we're on, but we, Chris and I are zooming right now. No one will ever see this cause we both look like shaggy and crazy, but I'm smiling so big hearing you say that because I, first of all, I understand your ambition. We've had this conversation before. I am not ambitious. You are. So, I, but I can appreciate your ambition. And I understand it comes from uh, the space of wanting to do good, to wanting to make good, to wanting to leave a mark and a legacy. So that I appreciate, part of it, I
2: appreciate your put, yes. And maybe that is some of it, but yeah. some of it's also insecurity. Some of it's also really? needing to feel significant by what i create and it's like oh but that's not creating work stuff for yourself doesn't it doesn't do anything for other people real like you know like yeah. depending on the type of work that you do you Do you know
1: that. how evolved that is though for you to stop me and say thank you but i know that it's coming possibly from a place of insecurity like that's that's evolved chris like that is like you've done some work on yourself to be able to say that because we are still in a country that says achieve 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 yeah, you know I, I, don't,
2: I, don't, I don't. I don't believe that anymore. I mean, I don't yeah. believe in that as an idea anymore because I. I, I think we do. Um, we do reward people who work themselves into the ground, and we yeah. do reward people for. Oh, look at you know, look at how many material things, or how many right. jobs, or how many this, and it's like. You constantly hear these stories where, you know, Norman has told me a story where he, he just randomly met a guy on a mm-hmm. plane. He was traveling somewhere and the guy was older and he said, I run a Fortune 500 company. My wife passed away not that long ago. I freaked out and left everything behind and just started traveling. And since I've been traveling, I feel like I wasted my life in pursuit wow. of myself. <gasps> like in pursuit of his own material, and you you i feel like you hear a lot of those things or you study stoic philosophy or anything and and it's like, yes, you can have things, but don't be defined by them right your contribution i mean like i you know humans survived through community, you mm-hmm. know uh, yeah and so it. How, how can we, just a nod to your show.
1: I know, I was like, I was about to say, the show too, people are surviving in the quarantine <laughs> on community. <laughs> on Netflix, everybody.
2: And time and time <laughs> again, you you hear like, happiness isn't a drug that you chase. It's, it's gratitude, it's peace, it's grace, it's contribution, it's yeah. those things. And I feel foolish that it took me into my, I mean, like, you know, into my 40s before I, Really, that really sank in. But I was yeah. like, "Oh yes, grace contribution." It's not about. It doesn't fucking matter. Like if I have a show or not. like that's dumb. Yeah. You know, it's like that's not. I don't know. It. I I really do feel. I really do feel transformed by everything that's happened in the last few months, and and I feel like an idiot that it took all of these things together to really make me as reflective as I should have been. But I guess when you're in the pursuit of something, you're in the momentum. Yeah. It's so easy just to like, you know, momentum, momentum, momentum. and And
1: And then when that momentum is rewarded though, Chris, like it's not like you're like on this hamster wheel and everyone else like, what are you doing, dude? Like everyone else is on their hamster wheel running like crazy too. And so everybody's just thinking that that's the way to do it because that's the way it's always been done. And this pandemic has made everybody have to sit down sit down somewhere now of course we're human so we're finding other ways to do it we're now we're zooming and we're skyping and we're google whatever their thing is we're so we're doing all the we're still finding ways to create and work and move and do but it cannot be at the same level because people aren't gathering and we're not it's it's just a i just feel like it's a, a moment it's a reset and it's a moment for those that are aware to just sit back and reassess it all. And there's there's never, I think there will never be another time that we as a people, like the everybody on the planet had to do it right. at the same time. Right. There will, ne- it, I pray to, to the Lord it never happens again where that happens, where something something affects everybody to the point where everybody has to take a couple of steps back. And I also hope that no one on the other side of this feels bad because they did not quote unquote use their time effectively because even in the midst of this, there's still people going, well, you know, if you come out of this and you ain't got thin thighs, you wait, what? If you come out of this and you ain't got a new job. It's like, there's so many, so much like pressure and like peer pressure where we're even in the midst of setting down where people are still telling us you need to be running while you sitting down. What? Just sit down. Just sit down.
2: Yeah, what's wrong with coming through this with just a better perspective on life well, and humanity? And
1: listen, know, what's wrong with that? I think that's the best use of this time. I mean, God bless if people are writing scripts and I don't know, curing cancer. That, those things are wonderful too. Of course, the curing cancer part. But it's also nothing wrong with just taking a, taking a break and resting, talking to a therapist, reconnecting with your family and your friends and you know, really building the kind of life that is worth fighting for. You know, wouldn't it be a shame to, you live your your whole life and at the end of it, you're like, oh, dang, I I missed it. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was never about this. I remember when one of my, my, my grandmother passed, she had been in hospice before she went and I visited her in hospice and I was walking through the hallways going to her room. And all I kept hearing in the rooms were, is my daughter here yet? Did my wife call? Did my, did my, did my my niece, uh, she said she was going to stop by. People on their last days did not say, drive my Cadillac up to the window so I can see it. They didn't say, bring my Louis Vuitton purse so I can take a picture in it. What kind of lip gloss is that? I want that lip gloss. They weren't worried about any of that. When they were coming to the end, they wanted their people. And yet we spend our entire lives building money and property and our name. And we neglect people because the only way you can build a fortune is if you're out in the world building it. It's not at home playing Yahtzee with the wife where you're building that fortune, right? So a lot of people are spending their entire 30, 40 years of their lives chasing stuff and their wives and their dog and their friends are not a part of that pursuit. And at the end, none of that stuff can you take with you. None of it, what are we doing?
2: I know it, it, it is that, it's that constant reminder of life is temporary. Yep. Um, And your stuff can't hug you back. Sure Sure (laughs) can't. But people can, I mean, I, yeah, I I don't know. And again, you know, I, I don't want to make this about my career. What I'm pursuing, Mm -hmm. the reason I share some of these stories is to, Cop to some of the things that I feel like I've learned in hopes that other people will go. Oh, I've had some of the same. Right. Oh, I guess. I guess you know. I, I I said something to a friend of mine who is another workaholic type. I said, "Isn't it strange how we look back at all those times we were just like go 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 go?" Yeah. And I think, how did I sustain that? And also, at what point do we live life and stop chasing it?
1: Right. I. You know. I, this is my thought about it. You know. I feel like. We all need a place to stay, hopefully. Every, and there's many that don't even have that, but that is what we all hope to have, a roof over our head, some food to eat, um, and enough money to pay our bills, right? So that we can continue to have the roof over our head. Um, I don't know what you need beyond that. And this is me just speaking personally. I, I don't I don't want anything more than that. I, I want those things. I want to be able to take care of me, my dog, and my dad help friends where I can and hopefully get to have a couple of career opportunities that allow me to give back because, you know, I don't know, I think we've talked, whenever we do our talks, we get pretty deep. I think we've talked about calling and purpose. And I I believe that everyone is on this earth for a reason. And the biggest job you have is to figure out what that reason is. And the thing about your calling or your purpose, it's never just about you. It is never I'm called to be famous, or I'm called to be cute, or I'm called. No, you're called to do something for other people. My calling is celebrating and supporting and encouraging. I am a human cheerleader. I walk through life going rah 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 about other people everywhere I go. I know that that is my purpose because there's so many people on this planet that don't feel seen. I see all of it. I see. I was at the grocery store today, and I'm telling you, this man packed my my groceries so well. I was like, well, you look like a doggone Tetris game the way you got everything. I just loved on him and told him that he and his and his countenance changed, not because his goal in life is to be the best grocery packer, but the fact that he had a skill in that area and somebody recognized it. Mm -hmm. And that is really all where we want on this earth is just to be seen for something. I see everything, but that is my the call on my life. I'm put on this earth where if I'm an office temp, if I'm in the grocery line, if I'm if I'm on a set, I am supposed to see people and encourage and support them. And I hope that anyone that has ever met me feels that for me because it is coming from my heart. That is my gift from God. And I'm grateful that that's my gift from God because I love people, right? But everybody has to find what that thing is for them. And it's never vocation. I didn't say I was called to be an actress. I didn't say I was called to be a host. I can, I can be an actress and a host, but I'm called to care for people and love people and support people and encourage people. So to make your life worthwhile, the only way I know to make your life worthwhile is you have to figure out what you were put here to do. What is your gift for the world? Cause we each have one. What is that gift and what vocation, how can you take that gift and marry it to your vocation and make things better for other people. That is a worthwhile, that's a life worth, li- worth living.
2: That's also next level. I mean, like that, the ability to not just see vocation for vocation's sake and to see mm-hmm. it as something that you enjoy doing, but mm-hmm. also how can this be a tool for good? Yeah. I mean, even just the addition of that question, I feel like is a question that most people don't answer. And I know that I'm sure most people probably tell themselves, oh, "I'm a good person. I need to feel, it. I feel. I'm a good person. I'm a good person." But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that there isn't more that you can't be doing or more that you can't be paying attention to. Yeah, uh, you know. And so, just that—that that guiding principle—I just feel like is such a. It's just such a great. Even if someone just wrote that down, here's what I do, and as as my guiding principle, this is right. my vocation, and this is my principle. Writing those two separate things down, it's because I think some people think vocation is principle. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I, mean it, it, I, it, I suppose it is if you work in in a community service or you work, you know, you work for other people or you work in healthcare or you work, you know, or, or, but but most jobs aren't that. And so, how can we, you know, how can we do that? Asking that question, I feel like, is essential.
1: Well, also, it it, it is essential because it makes well, knowing your purpose makes any job uh palatable you can survive in any job if you're if you're while you're there you're on your call you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's even in the midst of the drudgery you are operating um for the greater good so the guy let's use the guy at Ralph's he's an essential worker he's on his feet all day he's probably tired but he has a gift his skill set is I can I can take things that look that are in disarray, and I can put them together, right so that and i 'm not saying that 's his call i don 't believe it's his call to to put things in a bag, right, but he is doing it unto God in the sense that he 's doing it with excellence, and him doing it with excellence, putting all the frozen food in the same bags so when you get home it 's easier like he 's making lives easier by using his gift by applying that skill set, right now, at the same time, he was happy and joyous. So his call might be to endure hardship with joy, to model that for other people. So he may be put in difficult jobs just so someone who's coming in and has the world on their who has the world at their feet can see this essential worker doing a job that they would not want to do, right? But he's doing it with joy. So that makes them go, "Where did that joy come from? How is he so happy?" Doing something that I wouldn't want to do. Let me think about my life. And so now he's affected how that person thinks about what is really important on this on this earth, just by doing his his job with a with a, with excellence and with joy. So that's a small version of it.
2: I think some of what you're talking about. Would you say it's fair to say is just awareness? Is just. Mm-hmm. Those moments of the day, and listen, we're, you know, human beings think about themselves. Of course that's gonna happen. You're gonna you're gonna do selfish things sometimes. But in as much as you can remind yourself throughout the day to be aware, to be present, to be aware of other people, to listen to other people, to see other people, to hear other people, Mm -hmm. and not just hear yourself in your head all the time and how everything affects you. And I think that's what you were talking about going way back the, the, the shorter person, taller person situation. Like, Oh, I don't see a problem. I I don't, I don't have a problem fitting through doors, whatever. It's the, the fact that so much of the time we just think about how things affect us in our little part of, in our little part of the world. Right. Stepping out of that and going, what do other people need? What can I do to be of service to other people or the greater good?
1: Yeah. You either, you either believe that, um, we're put here to work together, and you don't. And you know, I just have always been acutely aware of the fact that we're just better together. Whoever, whoever you are, we're just better when we yoke up and we and we work together. And I don't get, you know, I'm I'm not someone that's like impressed with myself. Like I'm not, I don't wake up and go, I'll oh, get a load of me. I'm just never been that person. I I don't think higher of myself than I should the only good that I've ever brought to this earth is those things that I've done for others. And that's really the truth for every person on this planet. If I, you know, amass a lot of wealth and I create a great, you know, situation for my, for my dad and my dog and me, and (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't, it's not a, I don't feel I don't get a, um, a warm fuzzy because I have things. I don't get a warm fuzzy because I have information or I have a certain wisdom that God has revealed to me. What good is it if I don't share it? It's like, it's like, let's go to curing cancer. What if somebody, if what if I, I cured cancer? And I was like, well, did that, checked it off, but didn't tell anybody and didn't share it with anybody what right. difference does it make if you've done a great thing, if it's only it's sitting on a shelf in your house or it's something only you use? I cure cancer and I don't even have cancer.
2: Right.
1: So it's really worthless unless I take what I've been given, what I've learned, what I've built and find a way to funnel it out to other people who need it. Right. Because there's always going to be someone that needs it. Whatever we have, that is great. There is somebody that is doing without it. Wisdom, joy. Uh, A a punchline, whatever. And we're supposed to share everything that we have. And I'm not saying that capitalism is wrong, that you shouldn't strive. I just feel like you're supposed to, you, you should strive, but how much do you need? Really, how much do you need? And how can you be okay with what you have if you know that you have the ability to help others and you don't? Right. That's like, how can you sleep? I couldn't sleep at night if I had a bit of wisdom or $5 or something. And somebody needed it. And I'm like, well, good luck. I got mine, get yours. Like, come on, we got to give back. That's what we're here for.
2: Yeah. Someone said something to me once about, it's not about having what you want, but wanting what you have, Mm. you know, with, with those types of things, you know? Yeah.
1: It was so funny when we came into 2020. I mean, I guess I was ahead of the curve when I came, when we came into 2020, I made no resolutions. And I usually do like, I do a vision board. I'll, I'll get some, you know, pull out some pictures from essence magazine, or, you know, in style. And I'll put like a picture of some flowers or, you know, if out for a time I wanted to get a, another house, a bigger house from, so I, my mom could move in with me. Cause I already take care of my dad. So I was putting pictures of like, this would be a great house I could get for my mom and dad and something for some reason in twenty twenty nineteen 2019 going to 2020, I was like, eh, like I had no desire to do it. I made no resolutions. All I prayed for, Going into 2020 is I want peace and contentment, Lord. I was like, so that whatever I find, whatever circumstance I find myself in, I am peaceful within it and, it will, and let it be enough. Whatever it is, let it be enough. So peace and contentment. I prayed for those two things only the year we were going into <laughs> this shit show. <laughs> so it's like, we, I don't know what else we need, but peace and contentment right now. Like th- this, we can't do anything to make this better. So we have to find a way to endure this, right? Endure this this tumultuous time and give in the ways that we can. This is definitely not a year about you know amassing great wealth right. or you know my name on a billboard. It's that it ain't twenty twenty ain't for that.
2: Nor nor should it be. I think. Nor should it I, be. I think it's. I think it's about amassing, you know, um, spiritual wealth. However you define yeah, that, humanity decency. wealth. Yeah, community wealth. You know these things that, it may, it's hopefully it's the year of not me, me, me.
1: Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be nice. It would to would be here nice. Here. It's not me, me, me. It yeah. would
2: be. It would be really nice. I mean, you know, it. It. I know it, it's just so easy. Like maybe, whatever. It, if 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 it's the universe saying like hitting the pause button and going. You need to be paying attention you need to be paying attention to life you need to be yep. paying attention to other people you need to be paying attention to what's important all this environment. other environment you built up that you thought was important all of these material things or career things or you know whatever it is that's not it's right in front of you right now what's important. Mm-hmm. it's helping people feel elevated accepted heard you know and how and asking the questions of how can we do that? how can we indiv- on an individual level, obviously there's voting, obviously you know uh, but on an individual level, on a day to day level, what can we do? what can we do to be better
1: yeah and, and i w- you can imagine how wonderful it would be if every day people everyone woke up and said, "What can I do to make all of this better for other people like if if everyone woke up with that. Because that's the thing, Like, I, I'm not married, I'm not in a relationship right now, but I always thought that the way you do it is, I wake up wondering how I can make his life wonderful, he wakes up wondering how he can make my life wonderful, and then we're both taken care of. It's only a problem when I want to make his life wonderful, and he wants to make his life wonderful, and that means <laughs> you are left untaken care of, Right. So the idea as citizens of this world and citizens of this nation is wake up in the morning and go, what can I do to make this society better for everyone? And then if your neighbor does the same thing and the person at your job does the same thing, then everybody is taken care of. You know, my neighbors on on my block, I don't even know when this happened, but we all decided at some point to just bring in each other's cans on, on trash day. It's not like every Monday is you know, this Monday, first week, first week of the month is John. And then it's Jill. No, we just wake up one day. Somebody wakes up and goes, I'm doing it today. And there's been a couple of times where we get up and two people are walking out the door at the same time. And we, I want to do it. Well, I want to do it. We're fighting to bring in each other's trash cans. Like that's what it is. So we're, we're, we're putting what we need and want aside on a hot day in California, and we're putting on our rubber gloves and our mask, and we're going out and making life easier for a neighbor unasked. That is what we could do on a greater scale every single day. Like, you know how when you're in, a, in the, the drive through and one person buys the person behind them their, their French fries, right. and usually when you hear about that, you find out the chain went for like seven, eight, ten cars. There's, it takes a long time for the grouch to go, well, I'm not doing it, you know, (laughs) or you know what I mean? Usually, but usually you get a good five, six, seven cars that do it before that one person is like, I don't care. So it's like that. It's like, once you start doing good things for other people and once you start seeing other people and thinking about, you know, going back to our current situation, thinking about races other than yourself, it makes everybody go, let me find out what's happening with the Latinos. Are they okay? Have we checked on the Asian people lately? And the next thing you know, everybody's watching out for everybody and everybody's taken care of. And it's a great feeling to care about people. It feels good.
0: Do it for that reason.
2: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's
1: B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
2: Well, and, and I also, I've, you know, I've seen a lot of really interesting things uh, about, just about, you know, just ed- educating and trying yeah. to be better and try to understand. And one thing that I thought was really interesting was like, Listen, if you finally recognize that you benefit from a system of privilege, from systemic, Mm -hmm. you know, from a a systemic baked-in racism, you know, don't spend all of your time, like, overly apologizing (laughs) Apologizing to Black people to ask, in in other words, to make, to try to get them to make you feel better about, you know, because you have guilt, you know? Right. It's like, oh my God, that's so, uh, wow, that's a really interesting idea. They go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now you're making it about you. Right. So obviously you said early on, like, look, we're not going to do the work for you, but may I just ask for people who don't know, who are just starting to feel aware now, although how could you not have felt it (laughs) all these years, (laughs) but let's just say you finally are aware, good resources. I find the internet can be such a It can be difficult to navigate sometimes the internet because there's just so much information out there. So what are good resources so that people can be educating themselves in a positive and productive way?
1: I would say that the easiest way to do this, and this is something that does not require any heavy lifting from any Black person, go on Twitter and find, and this is not even hard to find, find a Black person you respect who is intelligent, who seems to be dialed in, who's socially active, cares about voting, all of that. Find that person and then follow who they follow. So automatically your feed will now be populated with other people that think like that principled person, right? Um, You can follow, uh, I mean, I could give you lists of people, but if you go to my page and you just look at my mentions and the people that I follow, you're going to find a lot of great resources there. Um, Variety just put out a list of books that, uh, where you can, that you can read to learn more about systemic racism. Um, there's another thing that I posted where they listed different people and movies and like, there's, there's now becoming, uh, there's a lot of curated lists of people to follow, books to read, movies to watch. You know, I've been telling people that 13th, it's a documentary by Ava DuVernay. If you have any question about how um, it went from slavery to the current police force. 13th breaks down how that happened. F- Standing with Ava, When They See Us, shows how the disparity between how um, people of color are treated in the ju- judicial, judicial system. Another movie that does the same thing is Just Mercy starring Michael B. Jordan. That's a great one to watch. Um, there's a book called White Fragility. It completely breaks down, you know, the why a lot of white people just don't want to deal with racism because it, it, it hurts their feelings and it makes them feel crazy. And it's like, I saw uh, something, I think even Matthew Perry posted this. It says something like um, learning about racism is not as hard as experiencing racism. Right. So as difficult as it is to find out the things, I mean, um, the 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 Tulsa Massacre of 1921 was depicted beautifully in the first episode of Watchmen on HBO. I can't tell you how many white people and some Black people that were like, wait, that happened? That's real? Yeah, that really happened. And you should read up on that because it was a horrible thing that happened to a, an amazing uh, Black town that had found a way to build a life outside of all of the things that white people were doing to prevent them from thriving. And then once they were really doing well, um, white people, KKK came in and bombed it and and set it on fire. And, you know, it's not taught in schools. You know, Um, Rosewood is another city that that happened to. Um, So there's there's a lot of resources out there. Um, But if you start with a principled uh, Black person, if you start with just by following their page, you're automatically going to find. And just know that it's going to be rough you're going to hear some things about your ancestors or white people from way back when. It's going to really make you feel crazy, and and that's okay because that's a good fight through that fight through that that tightness in your chest and and really just accept that some horrible things have been committed on this soil to Native Americans, to Black people, to you know just about every minority that came through. They didn't like them, and they did some things. So <laughs> you're going to find out about a lot of stuff. But it's okay because you're here now and you can make it better. And, and lucky you that you get to be the, the generation that makes it better. Like that's a, you want a feather in your cap. I, we, 400 years later, we came in and we, we, joined, we joined hands with people that have been oppressed in this country and we believed them and we fought and we changed it. That's, that, that's something to strive for.
2: And also, I, I would, you know, I would say to other white people out there, when you hear systemic racism or that you've benefited from systemic racism, that's not an attack on you. That's right. It just means, it, it, some so people get defensive, like, oh, what are you talking about? I'm not. It's like, no, just listen. Just listen. Mm-hmm. Listen and
1: see.
2: see, Listen here. See how you have benefited from things. See how you can make it better for other people. See how you can elevate other voices right. if you're in a position to do so. And it doesn't, you know, it's not saying to every person, like you're a bad person. It's like, it's not an attack on you. It's not
1: an attack. You know, but I, I, I don't know. And you know what, let me say this too. I know we're, we're running out of time, but um, privilege, the word privilege has tripped up a lot of white people because there are a lot of poor white people on this planet too. And they're on welfare and they're struggling and they're trying to get by it, privilege does not mean that you have a silver spoon in your mouth. Privilege means that you are able to move through this country not having to think about things that other people have to think about. Right. Think of it as a savings, right? Privilege is, you know, never being followed in a store when you shop. Privilege is, you know, being pulled over by a cop and being able to actually ask, even with attitude, what'd you, what'd you, why'd you stop me? That phrase alone could get a black person killed, but white people can say whatever they want. To, to cops and they, and and live tale to tell the tale. So that is what your privilege gets you. So it's not that you that, that means you, you always have, you know, a, a big turkey on your on your table and and that's not what it means. It just means that there are things in this nation that you don't have to think about. Right. That other people do. That's what privilege is. And it's okay. Just use it for good. Right. Use it for good.
2: What I would love to do is Um, give an email for the podcast. Mm -hmm. The email is thoughts at ID10T.com. Thoughts at ID10T.com. If there are, you know, Black artists, Black creators, Black um, writers, whatever... Send in recommendations, people that we should be talking to or people that I should be talking to uh, or promoting on the podcast. Like, yes, and, that and would
1: be great, Chris.
2: How to use the platform to just, you know, elevate other voices. and yeah. and I And I hope that, I really do hope that America as a whole is listening. And I do hope that we, I do hope that we are better after all this. My hope is... When you say like, I hope it's not all for nothing. I really do hope that it doesn't just go back to the way that it was before. I hope that's true too. I don't think it will, but I I hope that it, I hope that it doesn't.
1: Yeah. It's all love. You know, I think that, you know, we, we forget that it's, it's really okay. It's okay. We're going to be okay. Um, This stuff is difficult and it's not ideal right now but it's going to be okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. And again, saying black lives matter is not attacking anyone. It's I see it as listen, pay yeah.
1: attention. Yeah. Hear. Yeah. I, I think that people think when they hear black lives matter, that we're saying that we matter more. We just, we're just saying we matter too. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it's, it's Okay. It really is okay. Like, I just want to give everybody a big hug and be like, you guys, it's going to be all right. Like, just relax. And it's realizing that racism exists is not going to kill you. It's not. And I'm telling you, I'm saying it from someone that's experienced racism my entire life. It didn't kill me. So finding out about it is not going to kill you. It's going to be all right. You're going to be all right.
2: Beyond that, what else are you doing (laughs) with your, are are you, are you, because I know you had a, a, I had a tight hour with you. You said, oh, I, I can do the podcast, but I just have an hour. (laughs) Um going back to you staying at home, are you are you starting to feel like being out of the house again? Are you gonna stay in for a while? You
1: know, I am an introvert. And I I'm an introvert that likes people. So I think people don't realize that I am an introvert, but I the quarantine life is like optimal for me. Like I like being in my house for like two or three weeks and then peeking out to go get some groceries. So um I don't have any desire to be out in the world like that. I, my prayer right now is that it does not crystallize into me, never wanting to be out in the world again. Like I'm not trying to get my Howard Hughes on. Like I, I know that I need to connect with people and, and be out there, but um, yeah, I've been, I've been okay in here. Um, and I'm thankful, thankfully because of zoom and <clears throat> excuse me, thankfully because of zoom and, you know, Skype and all the other things, we're still able to connect and still able to, you know, be together.
2: Good. Yeah, I wonder. I had wondered if there was going to be a collective agoraphobia that might happen.
1: Don't you feel like it might
2: a little? I bit. think for some people it will, and then other people are just dying to, you know, like crowd bars again. You know what I oh, mean? Oh,
1: there's not. There's nothing in me that wants to ever. But this is the thing. There was nothing in me that wanted to do that before. Like I've never been a crowd chick. I'm not. Like I would go to Comic Con every year and be like, oh, I mean, my my chest would get tight and. Just a a, a a wall of humanity just kind of moving as one. It makes me, because I'm short. I really, I think it's because I'm short. It makes me feel claustrophobic because I can't see over the crowd. And right. I feel like there's like a wall of people around me and if something, so I, I don't know. I don't know that I would ever, I don't know. I don't know. What about you? What do you think?
2: I don't know. I mean, I know that, you know, um, Lydia has some, has like a, a kind of a weird kidney issue. And mm-hmm. so it sort of makes her, higher, slightly in a higher risk group. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not so much, I mean, I'm not worried about getting coronavirus for me. I'm worried about like, I don't want to get it, give it to Lydia, give yeah. it to my mom, who's also in a high risk. Like I just.
1: Yeah. That's me and my dad. it's. it's I'm. Yeah, I'm more concerned about my dad than me too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I just, I want to thank you for your time and I want to thank you for Giving me the opportunity to talk with you, and again, you know, if I said anything clumsy or stupid, I, I certainly it was not my intention. You um,
1: didn't let me let me say this, and and I I, I feel like I do this every time we talk because I feel like I need people to know you have the sweetest heart. You know when they say someone's a sweetheart, like you really are a sweetheart, and you you want to do better. Like even it from from our first chat on your podcast back when you were still Nerdist. Mm-hmm. when I was doing community from that moment to every time we've worked together or chatted, you're always better, Chris. Like you always just keep getting better. Even when you're fighting against it. Cause I remember in, the, in, the, in our early conversations, you were, you weren't, you were open to conversations about faith, but it wasn't something that you were like, there was no like longing to fully understand it. It was like, just tell me about your faith. Let's talk about it. And now I I feel in you a difference. I feel now that it's like, well, tell me more from a, you're coming from a different perspective when we talk about it now. And you're, you're becoming more evolved in that space. And it's beautiful to see as your friend And to your vulnerability is beautiful. The fact that you know what, you know, that you don't know things and you're, you're brave enough as a white man in America to say, I don't know what this is. Can you explain it to me? That's huge.
2: I, I just I want to I want to thank you for helping to caretake me and my feelings. But I want to <laughs> say, and I'm sorry for getting a little emotional. But oh, honey, and something that I really want you to know is that you inspire me. You're one of the people that I look up to. You're someone that I aspire to be like. Oh, honey, just the, who you are inspires me, and I think about mm. you a lot. And I think about how I can be better. And I and I know that things that I've recognized in life or thought about in life, you know, you have greatly impacted and I I just care about you a lot. And Well, you
1: know, I adore you, you know, this and and it's, and it's, it's, we're, you know, we're, we're, we are yoked together. Like, I feel like we were destined to be friends. We were destined and, and who would have thunk it? You know what I mean? Like who would have thunk that, that, that the two of us would be so connected from a heart space, you know? And, It's, you know that I have your back. There goes my dog. Harley, (laughs) dog I'm talking to Chris. Stop it. He's going to keep barking. We probably have to end it now. Just know that I love you. I'll text you later and tell you the rest of this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And and thanks for listening. And thanks for talking. And thanks for sharing about Nicole Brown.
1: Thank you, friend. I love you.
2: I hope to see you in person someday.
1: (laughs) When we're allowed out, we'll do it. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> Take care.
0: ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.
2: I have missed these Friday night dinners.
0: Hey, welcome to Harvey Kraw.
2: At these family dinners.
0: Delicious, everyone.
2: Dysfunction is served. Wow. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life.
1: It's mom and dad
2: being totally normal. Wow.
0: So, dinner next Friday, everyone?
2: Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free, only on Freebie.